is our number three of the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each Sunday we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week and the events of our sometimes bizarre lives. We do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. And all of that will be in evidence during this hour of the program, which you are not going to hear anywhere else on any medium anywhere, for better or for worse. Um, I have always said, Leah, that this show is unique. People overuse that word, but this show is unique. And part of what makes it unique is, uh, well, there's a lot of things. But one of them is that I have a very different perspective on life and on broadcasting than anybody else in the business. I think that's a fair statement. And um, when I see... don't mind getting fired, and that's what everybody else cares about, so sure. Well, that's, that's, that's exactly it. That is exactly it. Um, that's one of the major things that makes me different. I've been fired mm-hmm. so many times, and as Winston Churchill once said, you know, the, there's nothing greater than the exhilaration of having been shot without result. So I have been <laughs> shot more times than almost anybody, and I'm still standing here. And now I'm the boss of my own radio show nationally. So you <laughs> go know, figure. Yeah, go screw yourselves. Um, and so, so the point, the point, you're exactly right. We talk about this all the time. The fear of being fired in this mm-hmm. business is the number one of 101 elements that makes the news media fundamentally broken. People need mm-hmm. to understand that because in order to do good truth-telling journalism, especially in this day and age, you have to be willing to risk the gig. And nobody will do that. Nobody. And so what ends up happening is you have completely false narratives that take hold because nobody is willing to go outside the pack, the, what I refer to as the jackal pack. Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're in the jackal pack, and no one wants to go outside because you might get run over, you might get eaten, and, is, and there's safety inside the pack. Because if right. you're because if you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing, nobody's going to get fired because you can't that's fire right. you can't fire everybody. So, so, so that's the reality of the news media in this day and age. And this has all come to head uh, with my involvement, and I've gotten involved in a, in a lot of different stories. Um, I've gotten in, you know involved with the the whole Sarah Palin thing, and basically became her de facto spokesperson for about a year, and. Um, you know, I, I made a movie trying to save, the, I believe, successfully the the career of a filmmaker who got censored uh, over a movie made about 9/11, which we're going to hear more about him next year. Uh, you know, I, I've been involved in, I've, I've tried to save the this. O.J. Simpson. Yeah, which I, I believe we're <laughs> partially responsible for O.J. Simpson being in prison. I believe that I'm partially responsible for the the, the head football coach at Steubenville High School, who, by the way, I think is going to win the state championship this year in Ohio, uh, which for him, which is going to be freaking awesome uh, to. Serve Survive that whole uh, quote unquote Steubenville rape case situation from a few years ago. But nothing, none of those situations compares to what I have gotten involved with. Believe me, and I, I'm not happy that this has happened, but I've had no choice as it turned the out. The most toxic story, probably, of all time. Of all time, yeah. Yeah, pretty much of all time. It I, is. I've gotten uh, deeply involved in the quote unquote Penn State scandal. Where and, and look, there's nowhere near enough time to get into the details. So here's I'm just going to set out for those who have never heard of my involvement in this before the basics. You can research it for yourself. And then when we come back from commercial, we're going to get into what happened this week. But here's the bottom line of this. All right. So back in 2011, Joe Paterno gets fired uh, just after Jerry Sandusky gets arrested. 
and my BS detector is going off at a million miles an hour on the Joe Paterno angle. I'm, I'm presuming, like everybody else, Jerry Sandusky's got to be guilty. Because right. why in the world would Joe Paterno, a legend like that, why would he ever get fired? It, just, it doesn't make any sense. He has. So I'm accepting that he's guilty. So I spend about a year, year and a half, uh, defending Joe Paterno. I create a website, framingpaterno.com. I actually went on the Today Show. I uh, did a, an exclusive interview with Matt Lauer because I interviewed Jerry Sandusky in prison for three and a half hours. I I don't know if it was illegal, but I against the rules of the Pennsylvania state prison system, I recorded the interview. It's the only interview ever recorded by somebody in a Pennsylvania state prison that anyone's aware of. I did it because I knew that was the only way of getting the record of what actually happened in this thing. Because I knew what we were told could not possibly have been true. Well, long story short, and I know this is going to blow the minds of people who have never heard me talk about this before. It but is. I know. The first feeling when you hear this is, Ugh, I'm going to be sick. Yeah, well, the reality is that after having interviewed him not once but twice in prison, gone on the Today Show a second time with his wife, Dottie Sandusky, having dealt with him, his family, everybody involved in this story, having spoken to more people about this story than anybody else in the world, uh, having having lived it for over three years. Including I, the victims. Yes, uh, well, the accusers. Um, yeah, uh, and, the accusers. And the friends of the accusers. And, mm-hmm. I mean, all of that. Uh, I now not only am suspect that Jerry Sandusky is innocent, I'm positive that Jerry Sandusky is innocent. I know that is sounds like an insane statement to make for people who have not followed the story, um, but I am 100% positive of it. And, um, and I wouldn't be involved in this uh, to this extent at all unless I was positive. Uh, but I am. Now, you can research search it for yourself at my website, framingpaterno.com. I can I can assure you uh, that if I had any any thought that Jerry Sandusky was a child molester, I would never ever have gotten as involved in this as I have gotten, and I would never have gone beyond defending Joe Paterno, who obviously and clearly got railroaded, as proven by the fact that the NCAA has already uh, yeah. restored his win record and taken away the sanctions from Penn State, and uh, how Penn State is not yet put back his statue is is mind-blowing to me weird uh but but the reality is we now know for sure that joe paterno was completely screwed in the whole situation we're just now trying to prove to the rest of the world that jerry sandusky was railroaded as well and probably even worse because he as it stands now is going to die in a maximum security prison uh, in one of the worst deaths you can possibly imagine well this week in a very desperate attempt to try to salvage some justice here, there was a hearing in Jerry Sandusky's very last appeal. It's actually not even technically an appeal. It's called a post-conviction relief process. I took a red eye to State College to attend this hearing, and I had a press conference afterwards, which is must-listen. So when Oh, we could, it is definitely must-listen. Regardless of whether you care about this case or not, if you if you have as anywhere near as much disdain for the news media as I do, <laughs> you need to hear this press conference. Uh, so we'll get into all that uh, in radio you won't hear anywhere else, for better or for worse, on the John and Leah Show right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. 
and this is the program where the primary host has the strangest hobby in all of America, if not the world, and that is to try to get the most hated man in America out of prison. Uh, <laughs> I know. And that's not. I'm like, the- hey, Zig, on our show, can we just not mention this whole thing? <laughs> And I fully there's a reason why we're doing this in the last hour, Leah. Um, and and look, um, just to be clear, uh, what I'm referencing is the whole quote unquote Penn State scandal, the Jerry Sandusky case, where uh, I have investigated it more than any other member of any media at all bothered to do. And I am positive, not just suspicious. I am positive as a prosecution. And, you know, law-abiding, prosecution-oriented, law-abiding uh, guy, very conservative, obviously, as anyone who's ever... Pedophile hater. Yeah, I mean, I've got a three-year-old daughter. I mean, I'm, I'm not a good focus group for the Jerry Sandusky story, uh, except for the fact that I care about the truth. And I, you know, I guess I have brass balls, mainly because I don't care anymore, but, you know, that's part of it. Part of having brass balls is not caring. <laughs> and um, and also knowing not to trust anything you hear from the mainstream news media simply because they say it. Because here's what really happened in this story, in the big, big, big picture. And there's a lot of different analogies I've come up with, but this to me is my favorite, Leah. Maybe you can tell me if this one works or not. Okay. This This story is a mathematical equation, all right? And what we were told at the beginning was that the first piece of it was, say, the number 10. And then every piece that came after it, there was a multiplier. Multiplied, say, 10 times 5 times 12 times 10 times 5. And it ends up being this humongous scandal, right? Right. Except the first number wasn't a 10. Correct. It it was a 0. Yes. And 0 times anything else still ends up? Zero. Zero. And that's what happened here. I was the only one with the uh, inclination and the ability to check the math. And what I realized was, folks, you didn't do the math right. And this whole thing makes no sense. And there's a million and one reasons why I'm positive. Most of it has little to do with the evidence in the case, which is minuscule. It has mostly to do with my interaction with Jerry Sandusky himself and his wife, Dottie, and the people around him. Because there's not one thing, not one thing that they have done in my thousands of interactions with them that is remotely consistent with their guilt. And there is a thousand things that have happened by other people who are on the other side of the story that make no sense at all. And let me make something clear. This was probably this would probably be the most shocking thing from a human standpoint. I don't even get along with Jerry and Dottie most of the time. I, I, I mean, Dottie and I are barely on speaking terms at this point. I almost didn't go to the hearing this week because of that. Because I'm like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? My wife thinks this is crazy, even though she knew Jerry was innocent before I did. You know, her support is basically evaporating. Uh, you know. I'm not I'm barely speaking to Dottie. Jerry and I still exchange letters, but I mean Jerry is listening to his lawyer who hates my guts. You know, all this I'm thinking, what am I doing? And um and I and, I, and you know what made me decide to to make the trip? The- <laughs> I don't know, but it is funny how every time you get involved in a story like this, towards the end of the story or you know the the final resolution, you and whoever the person is in the story is you're always at odds. Well, 
that's another story for another day. <laughs> I, I would I would say that the reason for that is that um, I, as you this may be a shock to you, I tend to believe in uh, when you're behind being aggressive, and interestingly, this is one of the hundred and one reasons why I know Sandusky is innocent. Because only an innocent guy would be as conservative in strategy as he and his wife and his lawyer are because they still think they have something to lose, which is insane. But the only reason why they think they have something to lose is they're innocent. And they keep keep thinking the system and or God is going to save the day. Mm -mm. Well, well, it's up to Zig. It's up to Zig to do it. Well, as I keep trying to tell Dottie, maybe God sent you me. Yeah. (laughs) So so anyway, so here's why I decided to make the trip for this desperation hearing that the judge shockingly called where Jerry was going to attend. I got a Facebook message. From a television news, uh, I guess I would call person, out of Philadelphia, out of a big station in Philadelphia. And they said, I heard you're coming, and I want to give you some thoughts on how you can handle the media, because I believe you're right. And I believe that, uh, you know, you ought to say this, this, and this to the news media. And I called him up. I said, well, look, I don't know if I'm even going to be able to address the news media. Can you help me here? If I take the podium, all these these lemmings, they're going to follow whatever you do. <laughs> Can you make sure the camera stays on me? He goes, you got it. That's what I'll do. So, so, so because he... Had given How me th- funny. Yeah, so because this re- this reporter person in Philadelphia had given me this assurance, I go, you know what? I got the ticket. Let's make I'm not I've gone this far. I'm not gonna back down now. So I decide to make I, on a red eye. On a red eye uh, where, where I don't sleep at all. I burn sixty five thousand air miles plus whatever other expense of the expenses there is in this. For the record, I ain't getting paid, and there's no chance I'm getting paid. And by the way, if if a miracle happens and this thing gets fixed, I ain't getting any credit for this either, or barely any, I guarantee you. So so I'm doing this against all self-interest, and uh, the judge holds this hearing, and he does a couple of fascinating things, Leah, that I'm I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on. Because I this is the same judge who's hearing this appeal who who presided over the trial where Sandusky was convicted, which on the surface sounds ludicrous, right? How is he going to possibly rule on an appeal when he ruled on the original trial where exactly? Was, but wait, I and you know, Leah, I am as wedded towards pessimism as anybody on the planet. <laughs> I actually think this judge gets it. Yes. I think this judge gets it. And I and here's why I think he got it. This was the moment that I thought was the most important thing in the hearing. So here we got Jerry Sandusky, the most hated man in America. You can mm-hmm. do anything you want to him. You're not going to get a, any blowback from the media or anything. In fact, you'll get cheered if you do something negative towards him. That's right. He lets Jerry out of maximum security prison where he's in isolation. Basically, it's a three-day vacation in a different tri- in a different uh, prison, and he lets him come into the courtroom with no handcuffs after letting him visit with his wife in a private room with no handcuffs. They haven't touched each other in three years. I'm thinking. Wow. Yeah, you're seeing where I'm going with this, right? He didn't. He didn't even have to let him out to show no, up for the hearing. No, and that to me said everything. And I'll tell you what it means when we come back on the John and Leah show. Thank you.
This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And this hour, we're reviewing my um, my trip to State College, Pennsylvania this week and my never-ending quest for justice in the so-called uh, Penn State scandal, which the media has blown from A to Z uh, and from day one. And believe it or not, I know for those of you just joining us, just now listening, it will be impossible to believe yeah. Unless you've done any research on it or if you're an actual thinking person. But after having researched it for over three years, I am positive that the whole thing was a fraud and that Jerry Sandusky is, in fact, innocent. I did not believe that when I started investigating this. I have a website, www.framingpaterno. That's Framing Paterno because it was Joe Paterno who I at first thought was the person who had been railroaded the most here. Uh, but you can find out all of the voluminous, and I do mean voluminous information that I have exclusively accumulated at FramingPaterno.com, which includes interviews with not just Sandusky from prison, but uh, friends of accusers and numerous interviews with Dottie Sandusky, his wife, and uh, a whole bunch of other people involved in the case, incredible amounts of documents, photographs. I mean, you would be busy for a year reading it. Probably it's would. so in depth. Yeah, but it's but in its at its basis, at its, it's basis, simple. it's not that complicated a case. It's involved, but it's fairly simple. And so anyway, I go to this hearing despite my better judgment. I'm shocked that the judge, one seems to get it. You you can tell a lot by being at an event. People especially in the news media, they, they, everything's on television now. So they think that they can see everything from television, and you cannot. There were numerous things I learned by being in the room that indicated to me, much to my shock, that this judge presiding over this last-ditch attempt appeal by Sandusky's defense team actually has a shot. Now, I don't know whether or not he is giving everyone a head fake but he released a, a, a stunning decision. Uh, the media was really blown away because they were just expecting this to be a perfunctory uh, hearing where the where Sandusky would get rejected. And exactly. There, and there would be, you know, all the reason why the media was there was because Jerry Sandusky was out of prison for the first time. And they wanted to see a picture of how much he's deteriorated in prison. That's the sure. only that's the only reason why they were there. Well, they got a hell of a lot more than they, they expected because <laughs> because the judge uh, basically read the riot act to the prosecution and said, look, um, I'm very concerned about these grand jury leaks, which is how this whole story began. Um, most people who haven't researched it don't understand that. But this whole case began with a bogus set of circumstances where the information inside a grand jury, which is supposed to be secret, clearly got leaked to the local newspaper, and that information was then used to get more accusers because they didn't have enough accusers to bring an arrest. So right. they so they leaked the information in the grand jury through a reporter who later won a Pulitzer Prize, absurdly. Her name is Sarah Gannam. She's, <laughs> she's a joke. I was on Piers Morgan with her one time, and it, she is beyond a fraud. And so, um, long story short, the judge says, look, um, I want the current attorney general 
uh, Pennsylvania, who, by the way, doesn't have a law license because she's in the midst uh, of a whole scandal of her own, which is great, which is great because she's got nothing to lose now. That's true. She is a woman scorned, and now if she has the goods— she, she has the ability to destroy her enemies because her enemies are the people who convicted Sandusky and went after the Penn State administrator. So this is why I'm now having some optimism. So um, long story short, the judge says this attorney general, I want to, uh, to, to have her respond to my request for any information she has on these grand jury leaks. She's got to do it by early next week. And if she doesn't do it, I'm going to bring her in her and she's in here and she's going to testify under oath. And wow. Uh, Lo and behold. <laughs> all of a sudden, now we got a pulse. Because yeah. because if it's found that this happened and it was it was the, the leaks came from the prosecution and or the judge, the whole thing can be tossed. All of, of it. All of it. And he could be a free man, which by the way, it brings up a whole series of other problems that I'm already getting worried about, but that's another story for another day. So this ends. And Jerry's lawyer does a press conference. And, I, and I'm and i trying to figure out, how am I going to handle There's like 30 media there, like 12 cameras. I'm trying to figure out, what am I going to do? Am I going to do an Andrew Breitbart and you know get in front of the microphones and hold my own press conference unannounced? Yes. Yes. Uh, but, yes. But, but here's the thing. I'm in a tough spot because Jerry's lawyer doesn't like me. And I don't know if the prosecution's going to talk or not. I can't go in front of Jerry's lawyer because if he comes out, then I got to leave and it's going to look ridiculous. So I'm in a very tough spot. So Jerry's lawyer comes out and I'm still I'm still not sure what I'm going to do. I'm still not sure if I'm going to if I'm even going to speak or anything. And he does a terrible job. Um, um, and, and he he lets the media think that this is all about a technicality. I mean, he, he allowed the news media to believe that if Jerry were to get let out of prison, that it would be totally on a technicality. And oh I'm, my gosh! And, and have nothing to do with his guilt or innocence. And I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically what he said. So at that point, I'm like, oh God, I cannot <laughs> I cannot let this be the narrative without doing everything I possibly can. To stop it. So as he, spe- well, but it was, I'll bet, because that's what the news pe- news media is looking for. Well, that's what they want. They don't want to think that this is a guilt uh-huh. or innocence issue. Yeah. So the prosecution slinks out the back while while Jerry's lawyer is talking. So I know they're not going to go to the podium. And Jerry's lawyer. Finished- what about the accusers? Were uh, the accusers there? Interestingly, Leah, nobody, not an accuser, not an accuser's parent, not an accuser's lawyer. Nobody was there. Wait a minute. No one? No one. Which to me. To say, don't let him out? Exactly. Which to me spoke volumes. I mean, that might be the most important thing a layperson needs to know about this hearing. You're exactly right, Leah. There are allegedly dozens of accusers. You mean to tell me not one of them is pissed off enough, or a parent is pissed off enough, or a lawyer is pissed off enough to go and make sure the judge knows, wait a minute, Your Honor, you can't let this guy out of prison. Not one. That, to me, was... Hello. Exactly. Because the reason why that didn't happen is because none of them care about this part of the process because they already got what they wanted. They got their money and none of them got abused. And so none of them has the passion for any sort of criminal justice in this case. So long story short, um, Jerry's lawyer leaves. and I got to wait for him to go back into the building because he might 
shoot me down immediately. And so he goes back in the building, and I and I got to make a split-second decision. I got the microphone there. The media is starting to determine, okay, is this over with? Are we dispersing? And I got about 12 people with me with all you know, they got these buttons that I had made, Justice for Jerry. Uh, so they look somewhat official. I said, all right, folks, let's do it. So they all get right up onto the courthouse steps, right uh, in behind the podium. I grab the podium, and I say, look, folks, I'm about to tell you what really happened inside there. And... Um, and when we come back, you're going to hear the results of that, which you will not want to miss, on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's where you can check out the podcasts early Monday morning, our free commercial free spectacular podcasts at freespeechbroadcasting.com. All right. Now I've been uh, talking all hour about my uh, trip to state college for a hearing in the Jerry Sandusky case, which went very well from a legal perspective, I actually think there's a chance. It's basically a Trump wins the Republican nomination type of chance, Leah. Yeah. Um, but there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. I mean, there's, <laughs> there, there, it's, you know, it's better than it was. So you're telling me there's a chance. Uh, I actually do think there's a chance that this judge decides in the next couple of weeks to let Jerry Sandusky out of prison, as insane as yeah. that sounds. Yep. Um, but I do think it's there. It's legitimate. So... As I've already set the scene, I have to make a split-second decision on no sleep because I came in on a red eye <laughs> um, and no support at all to take on about 35 members of the media in a press conference situation <laughs> to correct the mistakes made by Jerry's lawyer and to emphasize to them that the most important thing that happened during that hearing is that a name, the most critical name in the whole case, had finally been said in open court, which is the name of Alan Myers, who was the the kid, actually was almost 14 years old at the time, uh, now he's in the mid-20s, who was in the most infamous episode, the one that was supposedly seen by a Penn State assistant coach by the name of Mike McQueary. And, you know, I've never told this story in the air before, Leah, but my first Today Show appearance in this case, my interview with Matt Lauer after I interviewed Jerry Sandusky in prison almost never happened because I told the the pre-segment, the, the segment pre-producer who was doing the pre-interview, I was going to say the name Alan Myers. And this pre-producer freaked out and almost killed the whole thing. And uh, there's no reason why I shouldn't have been able to say the name Alan Myers. He never testified in the case. He uh, So he was not technically, quote-unquote, protected by this magical rule of we don't say victims' names, even though he was right. never a victim. Um, it, there was no logic to it at all. Well, finally, at this hearing, the name Alan Myers was used in open court. So I'm like, I'm going to damn well make sure these <laughs> morons know about it after I wasn't allowed to say it on the Today Show. I mean, And those Today Show lawyers were on me like, Hawks. I mean, that, and, 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 you know, I, I'm not going to say much good about Matt Lauer, but Matt Lauer was the only person who stood up for me in that whole situation. And I will always respect him for that because he could have he could have completely screwed me there and he didn't. So 
Kudos to Matt Lauer for that. But that's why, that's what drove this first soundbite as I take the microphone, unauthorized and unannounced, outside the (laughs) courthouse uh, in Pennsylvania. Here's what it sounded like. And so I want to make sure that everybody here understands the significance of what occurred in there today. Not just for Jerry Sandusky, but for Joe Paterno as well. For the first time since this case began, the most critical name in this entire case was uttered in open court. That name is Alan Myers, so-called victim number two in the Mike McQuarrie episode. He was the man who on the day Joe Paterno was fired, went in unannounced to Joe Amendola's office with his mother and gave a bulletproof statement indicating that he was in fact the boy in the shower. Mm-hmm. All right, and the, the clear reality of the situation is that this kid, Alan Myers, uh, who I've investigated thoroughly. I've been to his house. I've spoken to his wife. She kicked me out immediately. Um, uh, you know, there is. Because z- remember, he ended up getting money. He right. What ends up happening is he flips after Joe Paterno gets fired. With he gets a lawyer that his mother used to work for, and oh by the way, the same lawyer who represented him in a DUI, and oh by the way, same lawyer who represented nine different accusers in this case. A guy who I've also investigated thoroughly. He's a shyster, and the and. The uh, the eventual story of abuse that got him the money, the investigators for the Office of the Attorney General of Pennsylvania, we have documents, documents clear-cut saying they don't believe that story and they think that the lawyer, Andrew Shubin, made it up. And yet, so he doesn't testify at trial because everyone's afraid of what he's going to say. Uh, yes. I know what he, he would say if he was telling the truth. He was never abused. He was like a son to Jerry Sandusky. And I could sit here for, for hours telling you all the things that they did together after this alleged event, which prove it's absurd that they that he was ever abused. Okay, so that's number one. But then I decide, you know what? I've come this far. I'm going to let it all hang out and I'm going to make sure I'm going to make sure these people in the media and I use the term people loosely know exactly who's to blame for all this. And this is where this is the favorite line of mine from the whole, quote, fiery press conference. All right. Here we go. Wait, wait, wait. Here it is. And all of you jackals, all of you people in the media who caused this to begin with decided, aha, Penn State has pled guilty on Jerry Sandusky's behalf. They would never fire Joe Paterno unless they knew that Jerry Sandusky was guilty. And then from that moment, the domino effect turns into an avalanche. And that's <laughs> that really is the essence of the theory of what happens here. See, the number one thing people need to understand to, to, to have any comprehension of how this case evolved. So, Because the number one question they're going to ask is, so, John, how did this possibly happen? Is this a conspiracy? Oh, my God, it drives me crazy. These morons in the media, they always write that I'm a conspiracy theorist. You know damn right well I'm the most ardent anti-conspiracy theorist there is. Be- stand them. Because, because people are too stupid. Idiots! There, there's, there is no way for human beings to pull off conspiracies. What happened here, there, there needed to be something that flipped everything on its head. And what flipped everything on its head was the firing of Joe Paterno. Because yes. at that point, everyone thought, well, sh- crap. You don't fire a legend with, uh-uh. with that over over the phone. For oh, he must be guilty. Course, he knew exactly. So so this so then everyone's incentive. See, everybody's incentive in this case, and I mean everybody. Everybody's got flipped once 
Joe Paterno gets fired. Penn State has a bizarre self-interest to plead guilty for things that didn't happen because they're a bunch of liberals spending other people's money. That's all, right. All they want is for it to go away. So they embrace this bogus media narrative that we're all guilty. That it's other people's money. The New York Times applauds them, and they all look like heroes because, oh, we get it. It was the football culture that set up this cover-up. Bull crap! None of that happened. And you and a great man. And they got their games back as proof. Right. Well, that's that's a very good point. <laughs> Needs to be reiterated. So, so I wanted to make sure the other one of the many things that that Jerry's team doesn't understand is you got to connect this to Paterno, both from a legal perspective, because I actually think the connection to Paterno is the best argument that Jerry's constitutional rights were violated because once Paterno gets fired, there's no chance to have a fair trial, especially not Correct. especially not there. Amen. Not, uh, so, and, and this is one of the few things that Jerry's lawyer has actually told me he agrees with me on and that I've convinced him on and he put it into the petition, but he didn't mention it. At the, at the hearing or in the press conference afterwards. So I made sure to do that in very stark terms here. <laughs> yes, you did. All of you have blown the biggest story of your careers because you're afraid of contradicting a narrative that made you lots of money and encouraged the magnitude of numerous careers. Well, you still have a chance to fix this. Jerry Sadowski is still alive. Joe Paterno is not. You killed him off. But his legacy can be restored. <laughs> I, I was a little... You know, the media started laughing at you when you said that. But, hey, it is the truth. Oh, they absolutely killed him. I mean, the guy died uh, two months after getting fired. Now, you know, who knows when he would have died anyway. But they killed his spirit. Without... I mean, a downward spiral. Uh, yeah, no question about it. They killed his spirit. And... Uh, you know, it's amazing they have not killed Jerry Sandusky's. That one of the many reasons why I know he's innocent is only an innocent man could be as optimistic as Jerry Sandusky <laughs> still is. I mean, he's the most hated man in America. Up until this past week, he had zero chance of ever seeing the light of day. And he believes that he's getting out. Uh, and it's because he knows he's innocent and he has way too much faith. Uh, in the system, but his naivete is how this whole story happened. He Correct. Is, he, with the interview with Bob Costas, well, right? He, he was incredibly naive. And by the way, you know, I've always believed that that interview, that was that interview was the first time I actually thought he might be innocent. Because no, my, not me. No, because here's why, Leah. He, you know, if he's guilty, he's a serial pedophile that has been getting away with this despite a high-profile pr profession and running a major charity for 20, 30, 40 years. That person can't answer the question, are you sexually attracted to young boys? Come on! That's not possible! The person who gets, if he was that inept, he would have been caught decades ago! It's not possible! And as I've gotten to know him, I've realized he is exactly that naive naif. He is Gomer Pyle. Now, in some ways, he is incredibly intelligent. See, that, that's and this is all part of the perfect storm. Everyone said he was one of the greatest defensive coordinators in the history of college football. He must be, you know, a criminal mastermind. And I'm like, do you know this guy? He is a complete naif. He has, he's a country bumpkin. 
college, college and high school coaches and pro coaches, football coaches, are have a very isolated intelligence. They are intelligent in a very narrow view of the world. <laughs> football, <laughs> that's it. You take them outside of football, they're clueless. And yeah. this guy was caught in a time warp. He grew up in a different generation, in a different era. It was before the Catholic Church scandal. He was doing things that were incredibly stupid in retrospect, but they were not criminal, and he's not a pedophile. And there's a chance, I think it's a 1 in 10 chance, that in the next few weeks this story is going to blow up big again, and won't that be interesting? Um, So... If you want to see the whole press conference, which I urge you to do, because it's, it's... It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, Leah. Go really to, enjoyable. Go to my website, framingpaterno.com. That's framingpaterno.com. Leah, thanks so much for your help. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, all right. Sounds good. And the uh, podcast available tomorrow morning at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Have a great night. See you next week. I'm John Ziegler.